You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, we're so excited to announce that we have our very own sponsor. That's right, we have a sponsor and it is something that we use every day. It's Zencaster. Uh, we're going to have a discount link in our show notes and stay tuned for the swing round and after to hear why we love Zencaster so much. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello, and welcome to Triviality, a game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. This is Ken, coming at you in the studio with all the boys. What's up? Hi, Ken. You always know it's Ken because he's coming at you like some 70s shock jock. Oh, I like that it. That wasn't shock jock. That was, that was sort of a napping jock. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the mood I'm in today. Yeah, and it's a night episode, which means it's crazy today. I just got up from <laughs> an hour-long nap. Were your legs elevated? Uh, I don't think so. Is Why that true? Ask? Well, because I've heard it's true if you put your legs up elevated when you nap, it's like you get twice the amount of nap in one. That yeah, we'll can't try be right. that because I'm not a successful napper. Okay. Yeah, you know never I, mean? been I always good at wake math, up though. and I feel like a mummy. Yeah, because I heard that all the blood then rushes, I don't know, in your body better. Who knows? I, I've read it before. I I'm going to do the legs up the wall pose and fall asleep that way. How about the, that? The only thing I can tell you is that uh, your best nap is less than like 20 minutes. Anything, that, that doesn't sound good to Anything me. more than that, mm-hmm. and you go into REM sleep, and you need a full 90. I think I any more nap talk tips. is going to put our audience to sleep. I know. Yeah. We're, we're talking about uh, Michael Stipe sleep and all that other kind of stuff, so... Well, let's try to wake them up and introduce our exciting guests. First of all, we have an executive producer Mm. for Triviality. Don't get to say that a lot. It is Dave Brown from Minnesota. How are you doing? And thanks so much for your support. Yeah, thanks for uh, letting me come on and play a game. Um, It's great to be here. And yeah, I really enjoy what you guys do. Of course. So as executive producer, you get to pick Neil's actual back tattoo, I believe. Right, get a design and I'll, I'll, I'll put something on my back. And add to the you one that it. exists or doesn't exist. That's right. The Schrodinger's back tattoo. <laughs> uh, there's some uh, exciting changes. Uh, we, we've we been talking to you before the recording about you being a sommelier. It looks like you're going to get back on the saddle again. But uh, what what is life like being a sommelier? Uh, it's a lot of research, uh, as they say. Uh, and when I say that, I'm making a drinking motion because that's what... <laughs> A lot of it has to happen, but uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's uh, making people enjoy wine and tell them, uh, making people happy. So you, it's, it's like being a master servant. So it's all it is. It's just like, hey, 
you know, we drink wine, we want something, then my job is to literally go, what do you like usually? And if like, oh, we're new to this or we like this, then my job is to pinpoint and pull out of whatever my seller is a wine that is in their price range and in their flavor profiles of what they want. Or if they don't want any of that, my job is to pair it to whatever the dishes that are coming up mm-hmm. and as my suggestion. So well, cool. what would you really pair fun. with a buena beef sandwich? <laughs> buena beef sandwich? Yeah. Um, a red. I never had that, but is it like is it spicy or is it just rich? It's a little, it you could be, put some you spice could put on some it. Some Giard, Giardin, Chardonnay, like a classic Giardin. Italian. Talking about Bona. Yeah. Ah. Uh, to be honest, right now I would probably pair something red, uh, for sure. And I would. There's a grape in Spain called Menthia. It's from mm. the northwestern part of Spain. It's like nice, like fruity and floral with some good body to it. Like it has 10. good acidity. Exactly. <laughs> and it's really good acidity and uh, it's not too tannic. So the spice and the tannin won't fight each other. But then you get this really good fruit mm. that covers the spiciness. And then that acid will cut through the richness of the beef. So it's like this really. That sounds kind perfect. Of this new I'm going to assume up, this so. guy knows what he's talking about. I know. Yeah. He, this is great info. I here. know what I'm going to be dipping my beef sandwich in this weekend. Yeah. Mencia is kind of this new grape. It's not new, it's old as hell. All these grapes are really old as <laughs> new hell. New grape just draft. <laughs> Global warming has uh, really brought up the growing region in northwestern Spain, like it's just north of Portugal. It was literally cold for a while, but now it's getting a little warmer, so the grapes are getting a little bit riper. So yeah, Menthia, or Mencia, because they go tha-tha-tha instead of sa-sa-sa. Right. And from our uh, resident sommelier to a Dutch enthusiast, that is Eric Walling. He's going to be presenting the game from Kansas City. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me again, gentlemen. It's uh, good to see everybody. Dave, good to meet you. Uh, yeah, it's been a little while. I've relocated into a quieter space. Pay no attention to the kid who just decided to mow my yard as we started. Um, <laughs> That's what that was. Recording. Yeah. Perfect timing. Yeah, you know, I just said try to be here right at 7. Um, <laughs> well, give so, the fine folks at home a reminder about who you are, what you do, and a little yeah. podcast that you might want to pitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, I am one of the umpteen members of the Benchwarmers Trivia Podcast. Uh, we are sp- everything sports and mirth related. Uh, we, if you like, if you like sports trivia, deep cuts. Sometimes uh, we we put out episodes every Friday, um, and yeah, if you we have a pretty small but uh, but passionate following. Uh, we've been doing it for over. Uh, about 150 episodes now. So. Wow. Way to go. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah. We'll be looking forward to Benchy's part two uh, coming up pretty soon. I don't know if we'll ever top Benchy's part one, but uh, it's, you know, it was good. It was a good bar to set. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're excited for this game. looks like Dave is going to be pairing up with Matt today. Uh, yeah, I think um, I'm. He was a little nervous about the uh, p- potential sports-themed questions, so I think that will be a good fit. Uh, you were saying off-air that after um, COVID kind of slowed down the sommelier business, you were doing a little bit of car repairs. Uh, yeah, so I've been working uh, as a mechanic for the last three years, and then part-time as a som. But now that's ending at the end of this month, mm-hmm. which end of May, I guess, is when we're recording. And then, so starting June, I'll just go back to full wine. Because of COVID, nobody really needed. Uh, yeah, it's wine. time to go back to the full whining, I think. Uh, yeah. we're, so we were thinking that we would be experts in motor oil and we'll be the motor oil sommeliers. 
Love it. Uh, well, in that spirit, uh, Jeff and I hope not to be doing any whining after this game, but just in case, we're going to be boxed whining. Very good. We have our teams. Let's get the rules. The rules of the game are simple. 20 questions split into two rounds worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. Cream of the crop. All right, Eric, do you want to take it away? Absolutely. All right. Question number one. What is the term defined as a large jug with a wide mouth, formerly used for carrying water for someone to wash in, and not, as I once thought, someone who oversees a flock of female sheep? All right. Neil and I uh, talked this one out. We're not 100% sure, but we've got a guess. All right. So they're locked in. Um, David, tell me what you know about jugs. Uh, well, uh, no, <laughs> not a, not these kind of jugs. No, is there a name for a female sheep? I think that's, that's... a lamb, right? Is that is that? Yeah, do we a... do we know animals? Are we bad at this? <laughs> let's just say mason jar, and then <laughs> oh yeah, let's go. Let's go with the the old standby. The, the... wide mouth, the wide mouth mason jar, the one yeah. that doesn't have the little. That's how you know. Wide mouth Billy Bass Mason jar. Mason jar. Sounds good to me. Uh for the record, the reason I said that you wouldn't know is because a you is a female sheep. Oh. But, uh we decided to go with carafe. I feel like I've heard that before. I feel like that's like a wide mouth thing that they usually leave water on the table when you go to a restaurant. So No points are gonna be awarded for this one. Uh this is a um a crossword puzzle special. This is some a Jeff mentioned it. A female sheep is a U, and a jug like this is a ewer. Mm. Oh. E-E-R. Uh, I've never heard of that. That's that show on Netflix, right? With the guy from uh, oh, yeah, yeah, Gossip yeah. Girl, but it's with sheep. Ewer. Ewer? Yeah. Ewer fired for that. <laughs> <laughs> and the announcer of that show is the famed Milwaukee Brewers announcer. Yeah. Bob Ewer. Bob Ewer. <laughs> Next. Just a bit outside. <laughs> no, keep it going, guys. I'm here for this. <laughs> I like the All just right. a bit outside. Right. Question number two. Name the two hip-hop acts, one solo and one group, nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2022. The solo act was elected, while the group was not, much to this host's dismay. Oh, man. I don't feel like there was a lot of clues to go on there. I know. I was like, you're waiting. You're like, clue. all right, give me some clues. Okay. So I have a name that I know hundred percent was inducted. And the other one I'm pretty sure was up for induction. Uh, but knowing Eric and the music groups that we both enjoy, I'm just going to go with that answer if that's okay. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So I'm hoping that the worlds of wine, motor oil, and hip hop collide in your brain. Is that possible? Uh, no, no, that's not. Um, that's why I was like, I know you listen to a lot of, I just thought you I, might listen to some hip hop, but I do. And, um, I'm, this is, these are going to be guesses based purely on the age and the amount, you know, the longevity of when it usually takes for somebody to be inducted into the hip hop hall of fame. Um, for a solo act, are you okay with me guessing Nas? Uh, yeah. 
And then for group, um, I don't know too much about what Eric's into, but he seems about the beard length and age to be a big Tribe Called Quest fan. So we're going to say a Tribe Called Quest. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you said I'm glad you said that, guys. You uh, might like Sister with Voices. That's possible. (laughs) Glad you guys said that because I think we too said Tribe Called Quest, right? We said Tribe Called Quest, yeah. And then hopefully for the rest, we weren't talking gibberish because we moved our lips and we didn't forget about M. Oh, man. One team will be receiving points. Indeed, the one inducted was Eminem. The other, as my beard length appears to have given away, was a (laughs) Tribe Called Quest. I don't know how I got that, to be honest. <laughs> what a shame they weren't inducted. Mm-hmm. All right. Question number three. What ornithological term is used in golf when a golfer scores four less strokes than par on a hole? Only four of these have ever occurred in PGA history, and only one of those was in California. Oh, right. Okay. So, All right. Mm-hmm. Well, if you feel good about that, then let's go with it. Yeah. I think that we are going to make a bogey on this hole, to be honest. Uh, do you, well, I, do you, well, it's either, I got two. It's either albatross or a condor. It's going to be a condor. Albatross is three under. I thought, it I goes, thought three under was the double eagle. So it goes and birdie, then, uh, so birdie, eagle, albatross, I believe. I thought I went, okay. I thought I went birdie, eagle, double eagle, albatross. Oh, maybe. Condor. So you want to go albatross? Yeah. Okay. I am I'm not an avid golfer, so I am okay with that. So we're gonna lock in with Albatross. Ooh, I'm a little I, I've never even heard of a condor. I think I think condor might be right because I do think a double eagle and an albatross are the same thing. I think most people just call it a double eagle. But we also went albatross. Yeah, uh albatross and a double eagle are indeed the same thing. The next lowest score is a condor. <laughs> As soon as Matt uh, said that, I was like, Ooh, California like condor. The California condor. Uh, yep. California condor. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, all right. That's, That's a California condor. It's a great question. It's a bird. It's an animal. Oh, it's just a certain animal. Okay. <laughs> Some kind of bird. I don't know. <laughs> it's a condor. It's a laid back um, bird. Always stuck in traffic. Okay. Question number four. What fashion brand started in 1933 in France claims to be the first brand to display visible logos on the outside of its clothing? All right, Jeff and I wrote down two names that we are pretty certain are French companies, and uh, we're just going to go with our gut and uh, circle the first one that we wrote down. Are you a big big fashion guy? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, wearing this great motorcycle t-shirt here. <laughs> Is it French? No. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's Sri Lankan. It does. It does look like it's like a two hundred dollar couture, like T shirt. Let's let's be clear. Um, isn't there like a Eves or Eves something like Y V E S, and then it's something like Saint Claire? I don't know. I don't really know much about the French. Saint Claire Eves. No, it's like. Oh, I I have a vague understanding of what that is. Like Yves Saint Pierre, or like, uh, I mean, I can you think of any other French and French, French and French <laughs> designers? Because no, I, like I, I was like Versace, no, Italian, uh, I know. <laughs> Gucci um, is Italian, Dolce Gabbana is Italian, little... Chanel, Coco that's... Chanel, but that's later, it's gotta be yeah, way, that's later. Really, that's way later. Um, it's... I was thinking like if polo was a brand but like that's oh English. wait no i think i mean i think i got it now uh i think it's louis vuitton 
Oh, okay. Louis Classic yeah. logo. Vuitton. Yeah, Louis Vuitton. I actually have a pair of these shoes. Oh, with I the little LVs them. on them. Yeah. Locked in. So. I think Dave was thinking of Yves Saint Laurent, uh, which Bruno Mars yes. talks about in 24K Magic. Um, but uh, yeah, we wrote down Louis Vuitton and Chanel. We, we knew those were both French. Um, we just kind of said, let's just go with Chanel and see what happens. So that's what we did. Well, what if I told you that this brand logo was an animal? Lacoste. Lacoste. Lacoste, oh. Lacoste alligator. Was I always the forget first... they're, they're French. Yes. I don't play enough tennis. <laughs> Rene Lacoste, the tennis player. Um, yeah, wanted to display the logo that he was named after, the alligator. And they claim that to have been the first to display them on the outside of their clothes. All right. So many dudes with puka shell necklaces and popped collars wearing Lacoste all throughout <laughs> high school. I just assumed it was American, but... No, That's I was thinking about Von Dutch hat. I was thinking about Lacoste, but I was thinking about like just the letter, like the big letter branding. Yeah, me too. Question number five: Willem Dafoe, Kate Dickey, Ralph Ineson, and Anya Taylor Joy are the four actors that have appeared in at least two of the three films directed by what American horror director? We can lock in. Who are four people who will never appear in my kitchen? <laughs> Every time, that's funny. Um, <laughs> you have to put out a chessboard, and that's like kind of like Santa Claus with like milk and cookies. So and that'll get Anya Taylor. But what about the other ones? Well, what's, Defoe, what's just going to get nudity? Willem. Just need nudity. <laughs> just Willem like some good breakfast, you know. That's true. Um, I'm a bit of a podcaster myself. <laughs> uh, yes, he said the thing. We're all excited about it. Um, what do you what do you know about American horror directors? Uh, it's the one category that I don't really ever watch in movies. Mm. It's like the thing I was like like oh it's a horror movie like oh, I don't care about it anymore. Yeah, the only one I can think of is like Willem Dafoe was in the Lighthouse. I think that was that considered a. I think it's a action thriller. Okay, <laughs> I don't know. I made that up. Um, I'm thinking <laughs> it was of, not. It was not. It's a very slow burn for an action thriller. It could be. Peel because he's not been directing that long. Well, uh, yeah, let's do let's do Peel. Okay, it's a pretty good Lock guess. Yeah. Jordan Peel, horror yes. director. Uh, so this one uh, is a director. Uh, ironically, I I very much enjoy from what I've seen of him, but I've actually had never seen any of his movies, even though I could tell you his movie if I spotted it on the street. But we went with Robert Eggers. One team will be receiving points. Uh, indeed, it was Robert Eggers. So you mentioned <laughs> it. The Lighthouse and The uh, the Northman were the two with Willem Dafoe. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy is in The Witch and uh, The Northman, and then the other two were in The Witch and The Northman as well. Oh, is that The Vivitch? The Vivitch. Yeah. I'm, pretty Which big, my, I'm a fan of this director, actually. I, I really like his stuff. I haven't seen Northman yet, but one of my friends told me to watch The Vivitch, and... Um, he was like, it's not really gory at all. And within like 10 minutes, they're grinding a baby in a mortal and pest mortar. And, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, okay. Uh, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty cool um, future here with him and Ari Aster. I mean, both making some pretty interesting films. So they're going blow for blow. Anyways, looks nah, like, we can skip uh, the scores. Yeah, let's get the scores. Uh, yet to strike is the Mo motor oil sommeliers. But the boxed wine, winers, boxed whining, uh, 20 points. 
Question number six. In what large U.S. state will you find Loving County, the least populous county in the lower 48 states? The 2020 census had a collective county population at 64, giving it a population density of 0.095 people per square mile. All right, Jeff wrote down a state, and uh, I'm in agreement. All right, so they have a state. Um, what we large state? Yeah. So not and lower 48. Well, I don't know. What are you thinking? Uh, isn't Wyoming the least populous state? Yeah. In the Union? But is that considered large? That's like the thing is like what what's the large states? I mean, Texas obviously, California. Yeah. Like, but Wy- like Wyoming's pretty big. It's the is it the Big Sky state? Possibly. That would be also, maybe yeah. a clue, or maybe that's Montana. And then, hmm. I think Montana's the Big Sky. That sounds right. But then there's like, for example, like there's North Dakota. That's kind of a large state, and there is like there's some runs of not a lot of things there in the parts of north dakota pretty barren up there so it's like i'm kind of leaning towards montana and hoping that big state is is a clue and that big sky state is the is an inroad i don't the only the only thing i have anything is wyoming knowing that it's the least populous but it's like well that is is more than i'm bringing to the table so let's go wyoming yeah, we thought yeah. about that. Wyoming is the least populated. Thought about Montana, which I think is the uh, third largest state by area. Um, but I happen to know that Interstate 50 is known as the loneliest road in America because you can go like 100 miles without hitting a gas station. Uh, and that's in Nevada. So we guessed Nevada. Well, my um, my hot sh- pitching streak continues. Neither team receiving points. <laughs> this is... Texas. Ah, oh. I told you. Neil wrote Texas. Because I said he loves Texas, and I was like, it's probably ah. game theory. Everything's bigger in Texas. Including the lack yeah. of people. Um, <laughs> I didn't get yeah. that. Oh, sorry. That's okay. Right right on the border of New Mexico. Texas and New Mexico, way out in West Texas. 64 people. Question number seven. What bird can signal its own mood through changing the color of its head? A bright red head generally indicates excitement or aggression while blue or white may indicate calm. The characteristic is so distinctive, it has earned the nickname the seven-faced bird in Korean. It's a big bird, right? When he's furious. I think it was Larry Bird. When he's murdering other Muppets. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're going to lock in. Harvey Birdman? Is that what we have? We have nothing, do we? You know birds? Um, I mean, No. (laughs) this game is not in our wheelhouse yeah two bird questions like a duck or a swan or like a Mm -hmm. I mean a peacock but I don't know if that's yeah at first I was thinking it was going to be about those questions uh, or those birds that their feathers change when they're mating or whatever like they do those weird patterns with their feathers but it's not because I see those on uh, what was that that show world I don't, life something like yeah. that um How about, or like a uh i mean does a turkey exist over there in some korean shape? turkey Have you heard of that? i'm just <laughs> trying to think of like like oh, they could their skin could change i guess it would i guess if you like if their heads are changing it wouldn't be feathers it would be like a wouldn't it be like a bald bird that has like skin Let's just say turkey, because I the only reason I'm going to say that is because they don't have feathers, so like they have like the their heads are naked, so 
you okay. can see a skin changing color versus like, I guess. Yeah, and I'm together there. Yeah, let's see this. Some Korean turkeys. Uh, we went with the peacock. And with a bloop single over the second baseman's head, the sommeliers are on the board. The correct answer is the turkey. No way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, if you've seen their head, it's blue, whitish. It's just very ugly all the time, but it's very ugly in different colors. Wow. Wild. Question number eight. Prior to Bauer's five-week run at the top of the charts with Harlem Shake in 2013, what theme song had been the most recent all-instrumental song to reach number one on the Billboard charts? It occupied the spot for one week in 1985. Mm-hmm. I Do you want to go with this, I guess? I feel like this is late 70s, but... Uh, I'm, yeah, I'd like to go with that, I guess. That's better than the other ones we've got. Okay, all right, we're going to lock in our guess. All right, so my initial thought was the theme from Beverly Hills Cop, because I was pretty sure that that reached number one at some point. Yeah, but that's a movie. Right. Right. And then um did Miami Vice have a theme that was like It's possible and then I was also thinking Night Rider. Cuz Night Rider also had a pretty memorable Cuz Miami Vice was later, I think. I think that's 87, 88. You want to go with Night Rider? Yeah, cuz I don't even know what the theme to Miami Vice would be. Yeah. Like I can't even picture it whereas I know that Night Rider was that yeah, I am just picturing that. Don Johnson's bare forearms. That's all I can <laughs> all I can think of. So we're gonna lock in with the theme from Knight Rider. We kept thinking about seventies shows, unfortunately. Charlie's Angels, you wrote down what were the ones you wrote down? The theme song to Peter Gunn was big, Green Hornet, Pink Panther. Yes, we have no idea. We we wrote down A Team. We think it's eighties. It could be late seventies too, but we just were at a loss, so we said A Team. Well the correct answer was mentioned. Um in 19, the TV show started in 1984. The theme song hit number one in 1985. That is Miami Vice. Uh, uh, makes a lot of sense, though. Question number nine. In what Pacific Ocean nation will you find the island Vulcan Point inside Main Crater Lake, which is inside Volcano Island, which is located in Lake Tall, which is on the island of Luzon? We can lock in. Okay. Hmm. We looking for a country? I, I lost yes. track. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Could it just be New Zealand? It could be. They got a lot of uh... features. Yeah. Yeah. It and they're been... uh, they're an island nation. Yeah. I. Vulcan let's... Point Crater Lake. It's not really like that. Sounds English. Like. Naming. I, I agree. I think that New Zealand is a good pick. We're going to go with the Kiwis and say New Zealand. There was a big influence uh, in this country when they were um, sort of a part of the United States. Um, but I'm pretty sure Luzon is the largest of the 7,000 islands of the Philippines. Mm. So we went with the Philippines. That is correct. The island within a lake, within another island, within a lake, on an island, within an archipelago in the Pacific is in the Philippines. Mm. Good poll. For question number 10, courtesy of our benchwarmer friend, Mr. Eric Ede. Thank is you, it, Eric. It's about Harry Potter then, I would assume? It is about uh, Harry Potter and um, <laughs> crack. Um, no, uh, born, <laughs> Arnold, born Arnold George Dorsey, this British pop singer who has been described as one of the finest 
middle of the road balladeers around, released his first album in 1967, and most recently had his song "A Man Without Love" featured on the series Moon Knight. What professional name is Mr. Dorsey known by? I think I, I think I know who it is. Technically actually. British. No, he's 100% British, and I believe it is a stage name uh, based on a famous yeah, yeah. British yeah. guy yeah. that was a movie. So, yeah, let's go with your answer. Well, they seem like they had some some confidence there. Do we have any confidence over here? I have an idea, and the only reason is because uh, I've sang, well, I don't even know. I This Engelbert Humperdinck, he was a guy that sang, he was a crooner in the late 60s mm-hmm. and 70s, and he had like the Quando, Quando, Quando song, and that's the character from some Shakespeare play or like some play that's in the past, so that's his stage name. I think I think that after all that, whatever you said as our answer is our answer. Engelbert yeah, Humperdinck. 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 He was the uh, king in uh, Princess Bride. Yes, too. that's where I know the name. I wrote down Adam Ant, who I think is British, but your guess was a lot better than mine. Yeah, so I believe that the person we wrote down is Welsh, but if I know anything about the British, right, if, if something is great... Mm-hmm. And they're English, they'll say they're English. But if they're from, like, Scotland or Wales, then they're British. Mm-hmm. And we wrote down Tom Jones. One team will be receiving points. Uh, the man who took a giant leap from the name Jerry Dorsey to Engelbert Humperdinck. No wow. way! Great poll. You know, we only got two right, but they're very good. <laughs> very good. Engelbert <laughs> Humperdinck is the poll of the day. And with that, it looks like uh, the scores are fairly close. It's 20 points for the Motor Oil Sommeliers and Boxed Whining, 30 points. For the swing round, I'm going to be doing one-sentence summaries. Uh, I think these have been done a couple times before, but you know them as sort of plot reductions. I'll be giving the sentence. Um, I will be giving the genre and the year. And I'd like you to come up with the the answer. So, for instance, I came up with one, and Louis very, very nicely reminded me not to ask a question about this movie. So, uh, my example is Michael Jordan or LeBron wins his most important championship of his career. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we're not allowed to talk about Space Jam. Got mm -hmm. it? Yeah. So, all right. (laughs) Number one. Blue Man boops Maniac out of existence in the interest of world peace. Graphic novel, 1987. Number two, Teenager's Weekend Fling Kills Six, a play from 1597. Number three, An Old Man Successfully Proves That Plane Tickets Are Useless and Overpriced, a movie from 2009. Question number four, Man Gets Rewarded for Thwarting a Murder When He Was Really Just Trying to Be a Pervert, movie, 1954 and 2009. Number five, goths trade in utopia for some tattered clothes and soggy shredded wheat. Movie, 1999. Number six, after a thunderstorm, a young girl kills the first woman she meets, then teams with three complete strangers to kill again. Movie, 1939. Question seven, guy makes out with dead body while seven other guys just stand around watching. A movie from 1937. Question number eight. Eight Eight-year-old commits genocide, a novel from 1985. Question number nine. 
Man shoots his best friend after promising to buy him a rabbit. In novel, 1937. And question number 10. Man ruins his life in order to get back at man who ruined his life. Novel, 1844. All right, think about these uh, summaries and we'll be right back. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you guys in the studio know me, and you do, you know I'm a stickler for quality sound in the studio and from our guests, and Zencaster helps us to do that constantly by helping us communicate with our guests in the moment and also filtering their tracks so it's easy to edit. Yeah, we're loving Zencaster because when we schedule guests from all around the world, we want to make sure that all our files are safe. And uh, Zencaster has a, a cloud program that uploads everything for us. We know it's going to be there. And if, uh, like me, I spill water on our machine, it's not going to delete everything. It's happened. Yeah. As a man who lived across the country with bad internet, it has saved several recordings. And Zencaster is super simple to use. You can run it right in your browser. It allows us to check and make sure that our guest microphone settings are ready to go uh, right from the all-in-one interface. And uh, there's pretty much no learning curve. It's great for us. Great for our guests. Thank you, Zencaster, for supporting this episode. And we are back with the answers. Can we have the questions one more time and we'll see what these guys all said. For question number one, we had Blue Man Boops Maniac out of existence in the interest of world peace. A graphic novel from 1987. This one uh, we Do knew it. as a graphic novel because of the graphic depiction of genitalia. And we said Watchmen. <laughs> we also did that as well. <laughs> that is correct. It was the Watchmen. Question number two. Teenager's Weekend Fling Kills Six, a play from 1597. One of my absolute favorite ways to talk about Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also said Romeo and Juliet. Indeed, it was Romeo and Juliet. Question number three. An old man successfully proves that plane tickets are useless and overpriced. A movie from 2009. This one took us the longest, but then once we realized we shouldn't be thinking about plane movies because he doesn't like planes, and we said, what else could you use to get up in the air? And we just said up. Yeah, uh, basically the same. This was the one that we came back to that we couldn't figure out, and then like, who's old man? And Matt was like, oh, wait, is it up? I'm like, oh, yeah, that's up. So we also went up. Yes, I shooed the plane for balloons. It was up. Right. Question number four. Man gets rewarded for thwarting a murder when he was really just trying to be a pervert. A movie from 1954 and 2009. Can we get the answer from the star of the film? Well, you see, I was trying to look out my window, oh. and Grace Kelly—very well, old, very, 
I'm wearing a cast here, Ken, please. Grace Kelly is interrupting me. I have my camera in my hands, and she wants to have sex. <laughs> It's very old. It's very old, Jimmy. It's a really bad Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> yeah, we we went Vertigo uh, slash Disturbia. Rear Window? What did I say? Oh, Rear Vertigo. Window. Excuse me. Yes, Rear Window. <laughs> you went with two other movies. Yes, Rear Window, Jimmy Stewart, and Disturbia. Uh, we said Rear Window. Yeah, the correct answer was Rear Window. Got so lost in the impression. I did, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was a... Uh... That was like the Fible Goes West uh, dog, <laughs> Jimmy Stewart there. <laughs> All right. Question number five. Goths trade in Utopia for some tattered clothes and soggy shredded wheat. The movie from 1999. I believe it's called Tasty Wheat. Thank uh, you. And it contains all the amino acids that the body would ever need. We said The Matrix. It's really hard to eat when there is no spoon. We said The Matrix. Indeed, it was Tasty Wheat and the Matrix. Question number six. After a thunderstorm, a young girl kills the first woman she meets, then teams with three complete strangers to kill again. A movie from 1939. We went with The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, and then one of the strangers died from lead poisoning, I think, or from being painted with silver paint. Said The Wizard of Oz as well. That is correct. I don't know that she intended to kill that guy, but 1939 <laughs> was Wizard of Oz. Yeah, there was a, there's him. a bunch of safety issues on that set. OSHA would have had a field day. Yeah. The guy hanging in the background. Which got what? like third degree burns from a pyrotechnic mishap. Question number seven. Guy makes out with a dead body while seven other guys just stand around watching. A movie from 1937. Had well, you not said they, it was they from... weren't just standing around watching. Had you uh, had you not said it was from thirty seven, I would have thought it was a different movie that I'm a fan of. But uh, we said Snow White. Excuse I'm me. Just kidding. What kind of movie is this? <laughs> Does it start with a B? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just uh, just kidding. Uh, we said Snow White. Uh, we also said Snow Snow White. <laughs> not topping what he said. <laughs> well. Snow White is the correct answer, but I am more interested in Jeff's answer. <laughs> yeah. Aren't we all? Leave it a mystery. <laughs> all right. Question number eight. Eight-year-old commits genocide, a novel from 1985. So this one, uh, initially we, we were putting like Firestarter and The Omen, but we're like, I'm pretty sure those are 70s or early 80s. And then I was trying to think of kids doing stuff that was bad. And Jeff said, well, a civilization could be alien. And I said, well, what about Ender's Game? So that's what we locked in with. Yeah, we also thought this was Ender's Game. It's the massive movie flop. It was Ender's Game. Question number nine. Man shoots his best friend after promising to buy him a rabbit, a novel from 1937. This one, uh, sort of an inside joke a little bit uh, in the studio. We went with Of Mice and Men. Uh, yeah, the uh, Metallica classic, uh, Of Mice and Men. Indeed, it is Of Mice and Men. Just waiting for one of you guys to Lenny me, put me out to pasture because I suck at trivia. In, in I think a, when you get the yeah. rabbit, that's when you know. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> you just show up and there's a rabbit at your uh, on your microphone. <laughs> got your new Neil, friend. You said if the podcast got popular enough, we'd we'd go get the farm. Just you and me, Neil. Just you and me. Just just take that rabbit, Ken. It's a prize. <laughs> Actually, get Gary Sneeze to come and do it himself. <laughs> <laughs> what an honor! I wonder what that would cost on cameo. <laughs> <laughs> for three hundred dollars i'll come there and kill you yeah he hasn't done much lately so i'm guessing that you get him cheap right? hard up for cash 
Uh, he's just raising money for the for the vets. It's a good guy when he's not shooting people in the head. <laughs> oh God, aren't we all? Uh, all right. Question number ten: Man ruins his life in order to get back at man who ruined his life. A novel from eighteen forty-four. This plot. Sounds like it has Ken written all over it. And if it's got Ken written all over it and it's about revenge at all costs, I got to think this is Dumas and the Count of Monte Cristo. It's pronounced dumbass. <laughs> I think you're the dumbass. Dumbass. Uh, we also went with the Count of Monte Cristo. Indeed, it was the Count of Monte Cristo. Well done, everyone. Great round Great, for yeah. for everyone. Points yeah. on the board. Perfect for everyone, it looks like. And uh, that brings uh, the motor oil sommeliers to 70. Yep. Yep, 70. <laughs> and sorry, and uh, 80 for uh, box winers. Round two, question number one. Which Roman emperor used bribes to race in the 67 CE Olympic four-horse chariot race using 10 horses? According to some reports, the cheating didn't stop there. He actually may have fallen off of his chariot and not finished the race, but was named the winner of the race regardless. I was going to put Gavin DeGraw chariot, Jeff, but I like your answer better. Uh, I, I don't really have much on this. I can only think of the what's who is the evil emperor in Gladiator? Julius Caesar. Well, no, it was Mark Anthony. And then I went to is it? Cassius or Cassius or like oh yeah and he was I mean maybe they didn't put it in the movie but like he seemed like kind of a unless you have a better cheating emperor no um what was your answer King Cassius Cassius no it's is is it is it Cassius the one that whatever whoever Yaquin played (laughs) oh fun fact I've never seen Gladiator gasp you were not entertained is what you're saying yeah i don't know if i was entertained i passed great soundtrack um (laughs) can you have any emperors like that you can think of that were like this i mean i guess no it could be who's the one that's uh who's the one that was uh if you have a complex and it's like is it nero no not nero but like uh uh, otherwise, if, if we can't think of anything, I just Cassius is. Yeah, I think we're gonna have to lock in with Cassius. Yeah, let's do that. Gladiator, I think, starts with uh, is it Marcus Aurelius, who's the last yeah. of the great five emperors? Yeah, and his his heir. Um, I think my originally I was thinking that who would do something so despicable, um, but I think Caligula was too busy arranging hanky panky in the. Uh, <laughs> In the royal halls. In the vomitorium. Um, so we went with somebody else who's pretty despicable uh, since he purportedly let Rome burn. And we said Nero. Yeah, Dave, you mentioned it. And I hoped you had stopped right there. The correct answer was Nero. Oh. Damn it. He was a bad That's dude. Fine. What well, you're saying. feel yeah, good that you knew who dude. he was. Because that makes you better than me. Because <laughs> It's not about being better than people. That's Matt. what this is about. <laughs> Proving <laughs> no, yourself. Feel, a... feel better about yourself, man. You're, you're worth it. Question number two. In Indian Karana dance, I am a Talavillasitam. In Capoeira, I am an Ow, spelled A-U. When performed with no hands in dance, I am known as an Ariel. What am I? 
you ever see the movie Only the Strong, Neil? Yes, I have. I was, just, I was just thinking of that, actually, <laughs> when you said that. Yeah, that's literally what I was thinking of. Um, we're going to lock in over here because uh, I was thinking of Only the Strong, which it seems like Dave was at the exact same time. Is that a Capoeira movie? Yeah. I was, so I was between backflip and like a head spin, but I don't, because I was thinking of with a dance, but it, I don't know. They do if, a lot of backflips and capoeira. Okay. That's the only, with no hands, it's called an aerial, I guess. It would make sense. Like, oh, instead, instead of, of like, like a, a back, like a back handspring, it would be just a backflip. Like no an hands. aerial. Yeah, I like that. Let's let's go with backflip. Over here, I didn't know how specific you wanted us to be, so we just said flip. Uh, yeah, no, my daughter just learned how to do this, uh, so she wanted me to write a question about it. Uh, an aerial in dance is a cartwheel with no hands. All of those oh. are examples of a cartwheel. They do a lot of that in Capoeira. That's a good point. They do do that. Question number three. Place the following sneaker inventions in chronological chronological order of their release. LA Gears, LA Lights, Reebok's Pump, and Nike's Max Air. All right. So I think I think the pumps were first. Um, these are all roughly early nineties. Yeah. So I know like, I don't know how much, so yeah. Like so, what are your thoughts? So D Brown used the pumps in the slam dunk contest, I believe in 91. And I think the LA lights were after that. So I, I know it goes pumps and then lights. I'm pretty sure, but I'm trying to figure out where the air max and air max, I think is even, I think that's 94. I feel like I feel like those came out and Scotty Pippen was the big promoter of those which would be 93 to 95. So my so I was thinking pumps then lights then Air Max. Uh so yeah I like I like yeah pumps lights there is fine. We had a very similar discussion. Uh, I also went to my childhood. I knew that um, there were pumps and lights when I was young that I didn't have before um, I had gotten any sort of you know Nike with air in them. So that was the same logic that we used. So we went pump, lights, and air. So um, the Reebok pump was 1989. The LA lights were indeed introduced in Matt's second grade year of 1992. But Max Air... First debuted 35 years ago this year in 1987. Wow. Oh, wow. So Air Max, Pump, and then LA Lights. Where's your order? Question number four. Minecraft's world generation tool is capable of generating a world that stretches roughly 30 million blocks in either direction from the source, an equivalent in the real world of 64 million meters of width for a total area of 3.8 million square kilometers. When ranking all of the planets in the solar system by surface area, name either of the two planets that a Minecraft world would fall between. I have no idea what Jeff's doing because he gave us all the numbers, but now Jeff has a calculator. (laughs) I don't know what he's calculating. He's probably using the Earth's mass. I'm guessing he knows a good amount about Earth. And he's trying to see how close probably, Earth is. And like, like well, yeah, what Earth would be, and then he could just go up from there. That is correct. All right, um, Neil, I think I have a guess as to which two planets it falls between. So we'll lock in. 
Uranus seems kind of funny. It always kind of fits in. Oh right? yeah, and I, I feel like it. This wouldn't be a good question if it was like the smallest. So we could probably rule out like Mercury and Venus. Isn't Mars smaller than us though? Oh yeah. And then you want to pick which side of it. Do you want to go Neptune or do you want to go Saturn? Oh, we don't even have to. I think we just need to guess one one planet. And it could be on either side. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. We're going to go with Uranus. I tried to do some math. I don't know how close it is. but The numbers would lead me to believe that it might be somewhere between the size of Earth and the next planet up, which is actually Neptune. So that's what we went with. Jeff's math has not led him astray. It is directly between Earth and Neptune. <laughs> Man, calculator saved the day. Well, That's how math always works. Dang so, it. I yeah, it took me a while to remember the, the area formula, and then I knew Earth is approximately 13,000 kilometers in diameter. So, you know, pi d squared, right? Exactly. Oh, it's, like, yeah. it's like classic. half a billion, right? Like so I'm like, uh-huh. you know, somewhere in there. <laughs> gotcha. Well, <laughs> let's move on to a less mathematical question. All right, I will skip these, this. These math are the questions question. that Ken gets yeah. mad at me for because he's like, just guess, and I'm like, but I don't want to guess. The first one you've ever gotten right. I yeah. want to do the math, and now it's emboldened him to math everything. <laughs> it's like which star of Mean Girls? He's like, hold on, I got to get those figures. The Lindsay Lohan equation. All right, on to question number five. Name the only two quarterbacks in NFL history. To have won both a national championship and a Super Bowl as a starting quarterback. Uh, as a hint, Tom Brady did not start for Michigan when they won the 97-98 NCAA championship. Okay, if one of their numbers was 17 plus uh, 42. <laughs> we think we have someone who 100% won both, and we're just going to take a guess on the second one. Okay, um, so I think Peyton Manning won a national championship at Tennessee. So Peyton Manning yeah. was, was my first guess. I had that one too, I think. And then and, that's... And then I was thinking back if Joe Montana won, but Notre, Notre Dame... Notre Dame. Notre, and that was, that was back when it was the, the Writers Association basically picked the national champion. So there were... Um, or there was two national... I forget how that worked. But then I thought, did Trent Dilfer... Was he the quarterback of? He was the quarterback of the Ravens when they won. Right. I remember but, they asked they asked Ray Lewis, did you ever think you'd win a Super yeah. Bowl Trent Dilfer as a quarterback? He had a lie detector on. He goes, yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> was he the quarterback of those Miami teams when they won? I remember vaguely, and this is only like Mel Kuyper talking the crap out of him back when he was coming out. So I don't know if he was, but I remember like he was like the number one. He was a big prospect. Yeah. And and I, I and like I don't think Joe Montana won. I know Elway didn't win at Stanford. I know Aikman didn't win. There's just a lot of people that did not win. Brett Favre, no. Aaron Rodgers at Cal, no. Um, Joe Namath. Did he win? Joe Namath. Maybe, but that's way, way back. Uh do you want to try Peyton Manning and Trent Dilfer? Yeah. I mean, you feel good about? I, I kind of do. I knew he was a really good prospect, and I don't remember. I don't know. College ball is not anywhere yeah. in my wheelhouse. So if you think he if you think he won with Miami back then, then, yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah. 
I didn't even know he went to Miami. So I think he did. I I, I could be way wrong, but I don't care. I think we're gonna, we're gonna lock in with those two. So we also thought Peyton Manning won uh, with Tennessee. Yeah, pretty positive on that. We went down all the quarterbacks. Uh, a lot of them, you know, have repeated Super Bowls the last twenty years. But we knew, you know, Russell Wilson, all those you know, Tom Brady, none of them won. Uh, we wrote down Elway. We got all the way down to him. I think Troy Aikman, I might have learned this on Benchwarmers, uh, started the season the Sooners won the championship, was hurt, so he actually didn't start in the championship game, so it wouldn't count. So then we just had Montana, and we just kind of put up a hope and a prayer. The one quarterback who won for both Notre Dame and the San Francisco 49ers was indeed Joe Montana. Mm. The 1998 Tennessee Volunteers won the national championship with quarterback T. Martin, not Mm. Peyton Manning. The other one was mentioned. He won as a starter for Alabama and the New York Jets. That is Joe Namath. Joe Namath. Wow. Ooh. So no points there. No. I, th- I would have th- swore it was Manning. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, unfortunately, a tough start uh, for the first half for the Somaliers. No points. Uh, 20 more points for boxed whining. So that brings it to 100 Question number six. Muhammad Ibn Musa al-Khwarizmi was a Persian astronomer, geographer, and mathematician. A field of mathematics that most students have to take in school is derived from the name of his most famous book, and his name is the etymological, etymological root of a term more closely associated with computer science. Name either of the terms. Okay. Uh, I think we're going to lock in since we only need one. Mm. You think that this could possibly be algebra? I know that's uh, Arabic or whatever. So yeah, that's the only thing I could think of that would be actually like. like yeah, that, and I I feel like we'll uh, we'll talk ourselves out of the right answer if we talk anymore. So we're gonna, we're gonna yeah, <laughs> I algebra. We'll lock it with algebra. Yeah, uh, I do think that this is algebra, so that's what we went with. Indeed, uh, the other term we were looking for was algorithm. But mm-hmm. the correct answer both of you had was algebra. Right. A Texas-based craft beer company called the Manhattan Project came under fire in 2019 for naming a beer after what Marshall Island, which was the site of nuclear weapons testing 1,000 times more powerful than Hiroshima and Nagasaki? I believe we can lock in. Although I can't see how they got in trouble. They already named themselves the Manhattan Project. So I don't know what you're expecting. Was it the Bikini Atoll? Was the, wasn't that where they did a bunch of testing at? Yeah, because that's uh, SpongeBob's Bikini Bottom because they're all mutated animals. I believe that is correct. So I, I'm good with locking with Bikini Atoll. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah also the namesake of the, uh, the two-piece swimwear. We said uh, Bikini Island. That is correct. Both teams receiving points. It was the Bikini Atoll. And question number eight. The Canadian band Metric is the inspiration for what fictional band at the center of Scott Pilgrim versus the world? The band includes Brie Larson as NB Adams on vocals and Brandon Routh as Evil X slash vegan elitist Todd Ingram on bass. And it shares a name with an action-adventure platformer for the NES known as Dengeki Big Bang in Japan. I always I always forget the sequence where they are in the alley or whatever and 
the vegan stuff. You once were a vegan. Now yeah. you'll be gone. <laughs> I haven't seen this movie in so long. I think I saw it in the theater once. I've never seen it. Ken loves this film. I love it. I have no idea. I, I can only think of the other band, the Allison Pill Band. Yeah. So we're just going to lock in with, which is clearly wrong, Sex Bob-omb, even though it's wrong. Sex Bob-omb. Um Do you have any ideas? Well, my only idea was uh, Sex Bob-omb, but now that I heard it's clearly wrong. <laughs> was was Bomb the Music Industry, does that sound ring a bell? I don't know if that is a real band or a band that was from this movie. And I, because I've never seen it, so I don't know. I I haven't really seen it either. I only remember the Sex with Bomb one because like we are Sex with Bomb, and then hits his drumsticks and goes, and that's because yep. somebody showed it to me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, whatever. Otherwise, like the only thing, other thing, I got a Spinal Tap, and that's not that. Movie, this one so. is not Spinal Tap. <laughs> yeah, this is not Spinal. So yeah, if you have Bomb the Industry. Yep, I think it was Bomb the Music Industry. So we'll just lock in with that. That is a real band. That's a real band, yeah. I played with them one time. No kidding. Yeah. Not with them, but, you know, open for them. <laughs> Jumped on stage. Like... <laughs> so we got a Sex Bob-omb and a Bomb the Music Industry. Yeah, so... Um, it's Clash at Demon Head? It is, indeed. The Clash at Demon Head. Good poll. Yeah, I, I don't remember that at all. Yeah, Ken I, flexing his mighty traps over there. I took a... I went to the Wikipedia entry for the video game, and this is my favorite bit. Uh, Billy Big Bang Blitz is a sergeant in Saber, the special assault brigade for real emergencies. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a stretch. Little stretch there. <laughs> All right. So for the last two regular round questions, um, the, my Benchwarmer brethren have written a bunch of questions and so many that they're bleeding over into the real game. So um, I'm going to let you guys pick which two, or actually I'll let, um, the sommeliers pick first which uh, category they would like. We have um, children's TV, science, geography, uh, definitely not children's TV, uh, music adjacent, comic books, or fast food. Oh, jeez. Uh, that's all you. What would you like? Let's do not children's TV. Not children's TV. Okay, Mr. Bombeck has written a question, definitely not about children's TV. In the television series Better Call Saul, what is Saul Goodman's real name? All right, we, we don't think we're correct. It's been a while since we've seen Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul, but we have a guess that we think is like around the red area. It's, it's, it's Jimmy something, but I can't, because I... I because he went by James at some point, but I think it was Jimmy, and I want to. And it's not Connors, but I don't know if I'm gonna get here. Jim Jimmy Gill. Oh yeah. Ooh. You got it. Yeah. I don't know. I just want to sound like a. Oh okay. Sound like you had it. <laughs> we're, we're locked yeah. in with Jimmy Gill. Jimmy Gill sounds really correct. I believe it's it really is. really close. Yeah, and I think it's it's got to be right because I I knew it was something. I think he's from Cicero, from the Illinois area. Yes. Um, and all I all I came up with was Mickey O'Connor, but I think we're way off. Might be McGill. Yeah, it was significantly less Irish. Um, I'm since points are at a bit of a premium here. I'm going to give credit. The correct answer is Jimmy McGill. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good job, Matt. That was that was a good poll. That was nice. I had just <laughs> enough time to stew on it. <laughs> yeah. 
So for our final question, Jeff. So I think we should pick a category we're bad at so that we can wager big on the other five. Stop using logic. Okay. Oh, oh they're, they're yeah, going to bleed it into the final. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to do either children's TV or fast food maybe? Or comic books. Which one do you think we're going to be bad at? Of those three? I mean, I don't know much about comic books. so You did say comic books, correct? Yes, comic book characters, comic books, yes. Okay, okay. let's do just comic books. Okay, sounds good. I ate an inordinate amount of fast food, so I think we'll be okay there. Okay. <laughs> well, you can thank Mr. Marcus Ellis, the handsome one on the podcast, for this. Hal Jordan, John Stewart, and Kyle Rayner are all part of the Green Lantern Corps, and the Green Rings are powered by Will, which allow them to create any construct they can think of. Marcus would like you to name any two of the other eight lantern powers in the DC universe and the corresponding emotion that powers them. Oh, no. No, I would not like to answer that, Marcus. With the lantern powers or people? Powers. powers. All right, we, we don't know much about green lantern colors and, and all of that, but uh, we're just going to lock in with a guess. Uh, so, I mean, there's yellow. That was in the mm. movie. That was... Sinestro or whatever. I don't know what emotions related to that. There's Yellow. a purple. I think there's a red. Purple was horniness, right? I was going to say, which one <laughs> <Yeah>. is virility? <laughs> I was just going <laughs> to make that joke. And then, and then, of course, you had to go much more crass. Well, yellow, I, so, I would think, would be kiss. fear, right? Like a yellow belly, maybe. That's that makes sense because it turns them. I mean, it makes it makes the one guy like, I. I mean, the horrible movie I saw, but... Mark Strong turns bad by tapping into it, and he's like, I'm just going to do a little bit. Well, okay. Comes the bad guy. Just one hit of fear. Then he just starts mainlining yellow. Um, and you said red was probably another one, right? Yeah, but, and these relate to emotions, right? Yes. Okay, so there's will. Is there rage? I would think red anger? would be a rage. He's raging uh, inside out. That thing was really mad. And red. Hey, that's red, another red, rage. Thing. Yeah. Red is rage. What was purple and inside out? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was. Which one is depression? All that of was, them. That was. We well, got two, right? Yeah. So we're gonna do yellow and fear and red and rage. Okay. When it comes to Green Lantern, uh, I had a friend who was obsessed with them all throughout high school and would try to explain how the colors work. I'm pretty sure yellow is fear because that was Green Lantern's biggest. That was his kryptonite. Was yellow, the color yellow. Um, I don't know any of the other colors, but we just said maybe blue means calm. Right. Well, one team will be receiving points. Uh, yellow was fear. So both teams were correct there. Red is rage. Yeah. Ooh, good. <laughs> good logic. Blue is hope. Um, orange is greed. Um, black and white are death and life, respectively. That respectively. makes sense. Um, violet or purple is not quite horniness. It is love. Um, it's on the and way. Then Arrows. Indigo, got it. In, yeah, indigo is compassion. All right. Uh, looks like the scores are now very close. It's one ten to one twenty, with boxed winder slightly in the lead. Mm. All right. Well, uh, Eric, uh, we want to hear the final round categories. We just wanted to say thank you to you and Dave for being Patreon supporters. You've been very uh, long-standing Patreon supporters, which we appreciate, helping us uh, continue to put out new bonus content and upgrade our equipment, all that good stuff. But if you'd like to join Eric and Dave, uh, where can they go, Jeff? They can go to patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast, Neil. 
And uh, over there, you can get some extra perks like boxes, stickers, posters, but most of all, uh, two bonus episodes every month, one Ask Me Anything style and the other trivia-focused. And uh, we hope to see you joining Eric and Dave over there at patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast. It would be our honor. All right, let's get the final round categories that were remaining. Right. Final round categories remaining are in David Lux, who wrote a children's TV question. Um, Mason Giot has written a science question. Eric Ede has written a geography question. Dan Lundberg has issued a music adjacent question. And Scott Grimes has a fast food question. And the wagers are now in. Let's hear the questions. All right. Question number one from David Lux in Children's Television. Originally performed by Jim Henson and Frank Oz, respectively, Bert and Ernie have been staples of Sesame Street since their debut in David's birth year of 1969 and are among the small handful of Sesame Street characters to appear on The Muppet Show. While Bert's favorite number is six and Ernie's favorite number is 8,243,722, what is the total number of eyebrows between the duo? Question number two. Um, Mason, science question. In 2016, Oganison became the seventh member of a group whose members have names deriving from words meaning new, lazy, hidden, and strange, among others. What is the term most commonly used to refer to this group? Eric Ede's question for geography. The Danube River is the second longest river in Europe with a length of 2,860 kilometers. It runs through 10 countries, including the capital cities of four of those 10 countries. Name any two of those capital cities the Danube runs through. Uh, Dan's question about music adjacent. Born in 1915, this man, whose name is pretty much obsequious in the music industry, is the only person to be inducted in both the Rock and Roll and National Inventors Hall of Fame. Name him. And Scott's fast food question. Considered one of the most expensive flops of all time, what McDonald's menu item was released in 1996 with a massive marketing campaign, only to be such a failure that it was discontinued by the turn of the century? To this day, the item has never reappeared on the menu. Those are the questions. Uh, We'll be back with our answers. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. 
calling all kids in the car. Brittany and Meredith here from the Chart Topping Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Are you dreading another silent car ride with the fam? We've got the cure. Three rounds of fresh trivia every single week. Movies, music, even science and Disney. We've got something for every trivia buff in the car. No more crickets chirping on those long journeys. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast is your secret weapon for connecting and laughing with kids of all ages, teens, toddlers, adults, it doesn't matter. Spark their curiosity and challenge their brains with every episode. New episodes drop weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast and turn those car rides into epic adventures. Now that all the answers are locked in, we'll hear the questions one more time, see how these guys fared. Looks like um, the Motor Oil Sommeliers uh, wagered 10, 15, 10, 30, 30, while the Boxed wine, boxed Whining wagered 10, 30, 30, 10, 10. Okay. So the opposite. Interesting. All right. Question number one was in children's TV, and it was about Bert and Ernie. How many collective eyebrows do Bert and Ernie have? We thought this one uh, was a trick question uh, for Mr. Lux. I am almost certain Bert has a unibrow, and I do not remember Ernie ever having any eyebrows, so we just said one. Uh, we also said one for the same reasoning. Yes, uh, one half eyebrow per puppet. That is one eyebrow for the two. Right. And Mason, number two, uh, the science question. The seventh member of the group whose members have names deriving from words meaning new, lazy, hidden, and strange. What term is used, most commonly used to refer to this group? Um, yes. Yeah, so I believe that this is the last group on the end row of, or the end column of the periodic table. Um, and I believe uh, Oganesson is a noble gas. Ah, uh, okay. We thought it was something on the element, uh, elemental table, periodic table. That's what we thought it was. Um, I thought that these were p possibly man-made elements, so that's what we locked in with. Uh, neon being new, lazy, argon, krypton is hidden. That is the noble gases. All right, question number three. Danube River, the second longest river in Europe, runs through... Four capital cities. Can you name two of the four? Yeah. So um, for us, the only two that I could think of, um, I know that it used to be two cities, Buda and Pest. So we said Budapest, uh, Hungary. And uh, Vienna, Austria was the other one I was fairly certain of. Uh, yeah, I knew it was in that region <laughs> right around there. So we kind of threw a couple stabs. We said uh, Belgrade and uh, Bratislava. Well, between the two teams, you got four of the four capitals. All right. Oh, my God. Well done. <laughs> nice job. That was really hard. Those are, those are good polls, guys. Mm -hmm. yeah. Nice to see Eurotrip um, <laughs> playing yeah. answer. Eurotrip paid off. Oh, uh, yeah. It says here, you made out with your sister. All right, so. <laughs> this is the second best use of Eurotrip after Scotty doesn't know. Mm-hmm. All right, Dan's question, question number four, the music adjacent question. Um, born in 1915, who is the only person to be inducted in both the Rock and Roll and National Inventors Hall of Fame? This one gave us a little bit of trouble, but we were trying to reason if they were born in 1915. They were probably you know, working in circulation about 1935 or so. 
uh, we, we mentioned Little Richard, um, Johnny or Jerry Lee Lewis, but then Jeff said, what about someone who like created an amp? And I said, well, Marshall's an amp, but I don't even know if that's named after a person, but Les Paul is named after a person. It's pretty uh, innovative. So we said Les Paul. Yeah, I was also kicking around the name Marshall potentially just um, based on that. Uh, and then also talked about Phil Spector a little bit, but what we settled on was Les Paul. Both teams receiving points. The correct answer was Les Paul. Well done. And for the final question, Scott's fast food question, what was the name of the massive McDonald's flop from 1996 that was obsolete by the turn of the century and has never reappeared? So I'm almost positive that I learned this recently just from watching uh, Mythical Kitchen on YouTube. Uh, they do series where they do like discontinued things, like they redid the Volcano Taco from Taco Bell. And uh, I believe that this is the McStuffins. Um, that sounds horrible. <laughs> I don't know what it is. but uh, So I'm pretty sure that this is one that came out right around Atlanta Olympics. It was supposed to be their premium burger. Uh, they brought it out and nobody liked it. I think it was the Arch Deluxe. One team will be receiving points. Um, McStuffins would have been a better answer for the children's TV question. The correct answer was Arch Deluxe. No way. I remember the Arch Deluxe. I, I remember getting it during the Olympics. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. That will conclude today's game. Uh, adding 65 points to their scores, the Motor Oil Sommeliers. Nice effort. But with 70 more points in the final uh, boxed whining with a total of 190. Your today's cream of the crop. The cream will rise to the top. Oh, yeah. That was wow. a fun and challenging game, though, Eric. Uh, great questions uh, as well from the gentleman at the Benchwarmers Trivia Podcast. But, yeah, hard game, but uh, we eked out a win there, Jeff. Very close. Wow. I am I'm absolutely thrilled that we were able to do that um, because – you know, that last one, I came in with such thunder on McStuffins. It turns out, I did look it up on Wikipedia. Uh, in 1993, it came out. It was based on a fresh baguette-style bread stuffed with cheese, pepperoni, and or chicken teriyaki. Ew. And it was oh, similar man. to uh, the Hot Pocket. So imagine if you wanted to get a Hot Pocket but made by McDonald's. I would not like that. Uh, turns out nobody did, and it was a uh, quick commercial failure removed from the menu after less than one year. But uh, I there just... Just so everybody knows about the well, original on that stuff. Sour note. Let's say goodbye to our uh, our wonderful <laughs> guest today, uh, Eric. Great game. Uh, thank you for writing it today. Any last shout outs? Uh, uh, yeah. So just um, if you were interested in um, more of me and my friends, uh, please go over to check us out on the Benchwarmers Trivia Podcast. Uh, we're all over social. You can catch us on the bench or on Twitter or Facebook or wherever you kids are these days. Uh, thanks so much for having me on and let me write a game. I'm glad to kind of settled into a groove in the second half. Uh, sorry about the first half, but uh, I would, wouldn't be a game I wrote if we didn't have a bunch of blank stares for a few rounds. So, and uh, thank you so much for joining us. Same to Dave. Uh, thank you, as always, for coming on. Love to have you on the show. Any last shout-outs? Uh, no, just, uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me. And it was a good time. Uh, I feel like the two times I've been on, they've been like the hardest games ever. But <laughs> also at the same time, it's been a, I think it gets a little different when you actually have to play in person versus when I'm just sitting there listening to you guys. 
Yeah. <laughs> so well, we'll uh, um, we'll have you back on again. We'll write you a nice soft, uh, <laughs> soft, squishy round. Oh yeah. We'll read from the uh, kids' trivial pursuit cards, and we'll just yeah. have a really good time. <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm lovely. Smart. <laughs> but yeah, lovely having you guys, and uh, thank you to the co-hosts Jeff, Neil, Matt. I'm Ken, and that was Triviality. I am now capable of holding a clicky pen, though, without clicking it <laughs> I for one him. whole hour. I had to hit him a lot. Which but... is <laughs> impressive. Actually, the shock collar was what did it. <laughs> hey, for any of you out there who need a great platform on which to record your podcast, please use our offer code uh, at uh, zen.ai slash triviality, a trivia game show pod. Trust me, we didn't pick that. Uh, but the offer is good for 30% off directly through Zencaster. So if you're looking for the same excellent, easy-to-use experience that we get with professional sound, please check out the link below. Yeah, the discount code's in the link. You can use copy and paste. That's zen.ai slash triviality, a trivia game show pod. Links in the show notes.